0: And now week five, to kick it off, I'm going to start in verse 14, chapter 4 of Hebrews. And it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. That last part. That's what the reader, that's what the writer is trying to get across to you. You've got to hold firmly. If you do not hold firmly, you're gonna drift off. You're gonna stumble. You're gonna fall. And you know, there's a whole lot of you here today. There's a whole lot of you that are standing. You've been holding firmly to what you confess. Okay? Your life, there's people don't doubt what you believe. People know you go to church. People know what you believe in. But the truth is, there are some of us in here, your life just confuses me. The things you say, the things you put on Facebook, the way you treat each other, the way you treat your family members, they, it just confuses me. It confuses Brandon. Brandon. You say you believe this, yet when we look at your life, you look like everybody else out there. There's nothing different. And it's not just you. Please don't. It's in every church across America. It's in every church across the world. Your lives confuse us, and not only us, but there's a whole lost world out there that is watching. They are watching you. The people at your work, your family members, your friends, your neighbors, are all watching. Because I know, I was that guy for 34 years. I watched, and I went, man, I don't want nothing to do with that junk. They say they believe that stuff, but man, I'm a whole lot better person than they ever thought about being. Our lives are not meant to confuse anyone about what we believe. Our lives are meant to lead people to the Lord. It is not Brandon's, Bactel's job. It is not my job. It is your job. If you are here today, and you have made that step across the line, and you have come to the prize, said, Jesus Christ is my high priest, and I put my faith in Him. I believe He is the Son of God, born of a virgin who died on a cross for me, then it is your job to lead people to the Lord. To lead family members to the Lord. To lead your friends, to lead the people at work. A lie straight out of the pit of hell is, that's church, this is work. No! No, 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 no! No! That is church, and this is me leading people to the Lord. By the way I conduct my business, by the way I talk to them, by the way I treat them. I am a representative of the high priest. I represent Christ Jesus, my Lord, every day of my life. And I am called to lead people to the Lord, whether I'm on staff at a church or I'm pumping gas at a gas station. And that is what he's saying. And that is what he means when he says we must hold firmly to the faith we profess. But let's move on. In verse 15, it says, For who is unable? For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet was without sin. You know, there's a great truth in this verse that if you can ever truly wrap your brain around it, all the rest of it gets pretty easy. If you can ever truly realize that you have a great priest who was fully human, and he can sympathize. The Greek is sympathos, means suffer with. He knows what you're going through, he knows your pain. He's been there. You feel alone? He was alone. You feel betrayed? He was betrayed. He is our great high priest, and he knows what you're going through, and he feels your pain because he felt it, and he still feels it today. He suffers with you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, take it and run to the cross. Because the cross is the only thing that truly matters. The cross is the only thing that will fix our country. And the cross is the only place you're going to find true joy and comfort. You have a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness. We read on in verse 16. And in verse 16 tells us what we're supposed to do with this great news we just learned about. In verse 15. this great news about this high priest who can carry us, who will carry our load. Because it tells us in verse 16, it says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know... Christ can sympathize with our weakness. If you can just truly get your mind around that, He can sympathize with your weakness. Okay? And if you get your mind wrapped around that, then there's no reason to walk up to Him in fear. You go to the throne with confidence that He is your high priest and He is going to love you. All too often, we have this mixed-up view of God. Growing up, you know, I always thought God was this gray-haired old man sitting in this big chair with this big hammer. You're guilty. No, no, He is our high priest. The foundation of His throne is grace. He's not going to reject you or rebuke you. He's going to love you. He's going to give you Grace and mercy, all you have to do is turn to Him. All of us, all of us, one day, okay, one day, we're going to have to stand in front of Christ. The time we're going to be standing in front of God, naked, like it said in verse 14, or 13. And we're going to have to give an account. And if you go back to verse 12 that we went over last week, and it says, His word, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the hearts. It always goes back to the heart. What's in your heart comes out your mouth. What's in your heart comes out in your actions. The way you treat people It's what's in your heart. The problem in our nation is hatred is in our heart. Not love. Hatred. You don't look like me, so I hate you. That guy over there did that, and he looks like you, so since he looks like you, I hate you too. No. No. I love you, and I also love him. I just know that he's lost. He's acting like he's supposed to because he's lost. He's part of this world. It's not his flesh and blood. It is the devil. And this is his kingdom right now. You've got to wrap your brain around that. Run to the priest. Run to our high priest. He loves you. All right, I got ahead of myself, but that's all right. We're going to dive into chapter 5 now, because I could stay in chapter 4 forever. But we make a transition in the book of Hebrews here, and we go from the first four verses, we're basically looking at the superiority of the person of Christ, and starting in chapter 5, going through the end of chapter 10, we're going to look at the superiority of the priesthood of Christ. Okay, But before we do that and dive into verse 1, I want us to go back in the Old Testament to the book of Job, because I think it will help us wrap our brain around what we're going to read in 5. And since I am a technological immigrant, and I am ignorant, I have to have a marker in my Bible, and I have to read it out of my Bible. I have an iPad. I don't use it that much. All right. In chapter 9, starting in verse 28, it says, this is Job talking, I still dread all my sufferings, for I know you will not hold me innocent, since I am already found guilty. Why should I struggle in vain? Even if I've washed myself with soap, and my hands with washing soda. You would plunge me into a slime pit, so that even my clothes would detest me. He is not a man like me, that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court, if only there were someone to arbitrate between us, to lay his hand upon us both, someone to remove God's rod from me so that the, His his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of Him. But as it is now, stands with me, I cannot. You really try to get an idea of where Job's coming, what he's thinking of. It's pretty simple. It's been a pretty primitive cry of mankind for all time. Job has come to the point that he realizes that he's a sinner and basically Job says, you're God and I'm not. Okay? And I cannot approach you and try to argue my case with you. Okay? Because you're a holy God and I am not. And he's begging out, I wish I had an arbitrator. Well, I'm here today to tell you you have an arbitrator, you have a mediator. In Christ Jesus. Okay? And that's been a primitive cry. You study different religions, you look at different nations throughout time, and even today in places in the world. People make sacrifices. The institution of the priesthood was not just the Jewish nation, it's been all nations almost, and all people groups. And there's always, they have a priest, and his job is to offer up sacrifices, they offer up Animals, some of them offer up humans. Even today, places in India, they still sacrifice their children to God. It's hard for us to wrap our brain around that, but it's true. And that's always been the job of the priest. The difference between those priests and the priesthood of the Jewish faith is all of those Old Testament high priests all pointed towards the one to come, towards the ultimate high priest. And this high priest would not only be a man, and he would not only offer up sacrifices of animals or of people, but he would be fully man and fully God. And the sacrifice he would offer up would be himself. Blood had to be shed. And he would shed his own. He would offer his own. And that's the difference. And that high priest that all the Old Testament pointed to is Jesus Christ. And now the whole New Testament points back to him, trying to get us to understand, trying to get us to where we're not ignorant or disobedient, trying to help us see that he is our high priest. The sacrificial system's over. We have someone that can stand between us and God. He can put his hand on man. He can put his hand on God. We need nothing else. We don't go. We don't have to go sacrifice an animal once a year. We can go to the throne of grace every day. We just have to turn. We just have to choose, and we don't have to go there in fear. We can go there with great confidence, you know. And that's the problem so many of us have: is fear. The reason we don't talk to that family member about Christ is fear of rejection. The reason we don't talk about it, talk to that coworker about Christ is fear. The reason I get so worked up and I don't want to preach is because I'm scared to death of them stinking steps over there. I just want to puke. All my friends, they, oh, quit it, quit it, you're fine. I know all the right answers, I know I'm not supposed to, but I still fear them steps over. We're not supposed to live in fear. We're supposed to go to the throne with great confidence. Our great high priest is there, and he will carry you through it. You just have to turn. So let's dive into chapter 5 and verse 1, and we are going to look at the role of the high priest. Verse 1. We see every high priest is selected among men, just make a middle note of that, and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. So basically, the high priest, all leading up, his job was to go to God once a year and offer up sacrifices for the sins of the people. But he was also, if we flip back to Leviticus real quick, we realize Moses is talking to Aaron and he tells him, he says, come to the altar and sacrifice your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and the people. Sacrifice the offering that is for the people. And make atonement for them as the Lord has commanded. Okay? The reason the high priest in the Old Testament had to offer up a sacrifice for himself is because he couldn't go. He had to have God's atonement on himself before he could step up and make a sacrifice for the people. And one of the reasons for that is... So that the people could see that he was just a man. Okay? Because the Old Testament talks about where the high priest, the ultimate high priest is coming from. So these high priests had to go in and they had to make a sacrifice for themselves and then they made a sacrifice for the people. And then... The responsibilities in this was is his responsibilities to the people was he had to be able to deal gently with them, with those who are ignorant and are going astray. We better understand that as disobedient, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer up sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of other people. So the high priest, he'd offer up these sacrifices. That was part of his job. But he also had to deal gently with the people. Okay? And that helped connect the people to the high priest. So the high priest wasn't just some supernatural religious person over there that they couldn't relate to. He understood their weakness. He could take a little side step here. Okay, you want to know why all of y'all like to listen to Brandon Backle so much? And don't give me, okay, please don't. He is not your high priest, okay? Don't confuse that. Brandon Beckel is not your high priest, okay? But the reason you like to listen to him so much is because so many of his illustrations are about him. And you see him and you go, you know, man, he ain't some super guy. I mean, he, he's just like me. Man, I struggle with that same thing. I have that same problem. It's the same thing in those days with that high priest. So let's move on. In verse 4, we read, No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God just as Aaron was. So, quick caption here. What are uh, the qualifications for a high priest? Number one, remember back in 1st 1, he had to be a man. Okay? Second qualification, he had to be a mediator and offer up sacrifices for sin. The next thing we saw was he had to be chosen by God. And the fourth thing is he had to learn through suffering. You know, how in the world is Jesus going to fulfill this? I mean, I got some I got some issues here myself when I read it, and I, I go back up there and I say, "Man, he has got to offer up sins sacrifices for his own sin." Wait a minute, that that's no, that no. Well, let's go on. Let's read. Verse 5 and 6, real quick. It says, So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father. In verse 6 it says, And he was in another place, says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Now we're not going to go down the rabbit trail, who Zedek is this morning. Two weeks, come back. He'll probably spend the whole morning talking about Melchizedek, okay? But we see that that's how Christ did it. Okay. So let's go back. Number one, he had to be a man. Well, we know that Christ was born a virgin. We know that history, if you step out of the religious, Christ was born. He lived 33 years. He walked this earth. Okay? And if you really study, you'll figure out that he did all these miracles. Okay? So we know he was a man. Number two, he had to be a mediator and offer up sacrifices for sin. And what did he do on the cross in Matthew? He offered up himself, he offered up the ultimate sacrifice to pay for this, our sin and our rebellious hearts. Okay, number three, he had to be chosen by God. Well, not only did we see it here in this text, but in Matthew you see it. We'll see it again in Hebrews 5.10. He was chosen by God. And if any of you spent any time in the Old Testament, you can remember some stories of some people who tried to circumvent that. Okay? You don't mess with God's chosen man. If he is chosen by God, you better leave him alone. Aaron and Moses, Korath and a group of guys, they decided, we're tired of them telling us what to do. They're nothing special. They're just like us. All of our nation's holy. We're just going to go in there and we're going to offer up incense to the Lord ourselves. And what happened to them? The next day, God had Moses tell him to come all around. He told Moses, y'all get on back. And the ground opened up. Whoosh! Killed all of them. And how about O King Uzziah? 2 Chronicles. Old King Uzziah, he was up and coming, man. He was powerful. He was doing everything right. Okay? And he started thinking way too much about himself. And the next thing you know, he says, man... I'm going to go down there and offer up incense to the Lord. He barges in there and the priest grab him. No, you can't come in here. What you've done It's horrible. You can't do this. And he gets all angry and he starts arguing with them. And wham! He breaks out with leprosy. And if you keep reading on in the text and you read that he had leprosy until he died, you don't bypass God's plan. And you know what that really is a great picture of, okay? That's really a great picture of me before I become to know the Lord. And that's a great picture of any of you sitting in here today who have stumbled on Christ. That's you. You are trying to circumvent God's plan. You can't do it. It won't work. God's chosen plan and His chosen high priest is Christ and Christ alone. And He is our great leader. He ain't trying to push us anywhere. He's in the front saying, Come, follow me. I'm the way, the truth, and the light. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. Quit stumbling. Focus. Go find somebody. If you're here today and you're just not sure about any of this junk, don't take my word for it. Go find somebody that you trust, that you can sit down and talk with, that you can ask questions to. Don't go off and ask Joe, who's always on the Internet, and he's been praying to the trees in the backyard, and you think he's pretty smart. Don't. Don't. Go find somebody that has a level head. There's somebody in your life somewhere. Okay, Go find them. Sit down. Ask them questions. And when they look at you and go, you know, I really don't know the answer to that question, it's okay. They're just being honest. You can see that they have some of the same struggles. Don't stumble anymore. And we read on in verse 7. Okay? Verse 7 is a very pinnacle verse because... If verse 7 said that Christ had to make sacrifices for His sin, and which it doesn't, but if it did, we all need to just close our Bibles and go out the back door because this religious thing ain't nothing but that. We're all just trying to make ourselves feel good. But that's not what verse 7 says. It says, that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the One who could save Him from death, and He was heard because of His reverent submission. That answers that question I had of how in the world, if He is a great high priest, and all those other great high priests had to offer up sacrifices for their sins before they could do that... Then, then how in the Well, in his days here on earth, while he was fully man, he suffered. Okay, he learned to suffer. He suffered in the garden. He suffered when he looked at Jerusalem and cried and said, Oh, how I wanted to take you in, like a mother hen. But you were unwilling. He cried at Lazarus' grave. Because Lazarus was the epitome of the conclusion of sin. There laid Lazarus like a bag of concrete. And Christ looked at him and said, that was man that God had made in his own image. But because of sin entered death. That was the conclusion of sin right there, death. And he wept in the garden when he said, Please, God, take this cup from me. That cup represented the wrath of God. And Christ knew. He knew what was coming. He knew. And He pleaded. But He said, not my will, but Your will be done. He was obedient. And He went to the cross, knowing what was going to happen. And maybe you're here today, and you're struggling, and you're saying, no, I don't need all that. I'm a good person. I don't... You know, I'll make it there on my own. No, good people don't go to heaven. Good people do not go to heaven. It's my favorite sermon when I used to go to the prison. Okay? The thief on the cross answered that question. If that's your question, if that's what you're stumbling on, I want you to know your goodness ain't going to get you there. Okay? Good people don't go to heaven. That thief on the cross had never done anything good. He wasn't even good for labor, hard labor. They just put him on the cross because he was good for nothing. Yet while he was on that cross, he believed. And while Christ was still on the cross, he looked at him and said, Today you will be with me in heaven. Quit stumbling. Step across. Believe. That's all it takes. Believe and dive in and God will carry you the rest of the way. We've got to move on. And it says in verse 8, it says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for us all who obeyed him. And was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ is the ultimate high priest. The whole Old Testament points towards him. The whole Old, New Testament points at him and said, He's the one. But this morning, I have two questions that I want you to chew on. Okay? I've already asked you, though, to pray for our nation. Pray for the police officers. Pray for their families. Pray for that young man's family. But for you, I got two questions. The first question is, who is your high priest? Hmm? Who is he? Is it Jesus Christ? Or I'll pick on my buddy. Is it Rusty Rankin? Okay. And you put your name in there. Are you your own high priest? And that's not just for people that haven't uh, made a profession of faith. There's several of you in here that I talked about. That your life just confuses us. It breaks our heart. Who is your high priest? Are you your high priest? Is your wife your high priest? Is your husband, your kids, your job, your house, your car, your boat? Who is your high priest? You've got to get that clear in your mind. And the second one, Okay is how do you approach the throne in your time of need? Do you approach it with fear? Do you see God as this big, mean judge? Or do you see Him as this loving high priest who only wants the best for you? Who knows what you're going through? Okay? He does. If you're a parent here today and you had a kid that gone astray, God understands the pain. Quit asking Him why. Okay? Ask Him what? Ask Him what you can do. Ask Him what you can say. No matter where you're at. Okay? If you're at a point in your life and everything's just a mess and you're the cause of it, okay? Don't ask why, just ask what. Go to the throne. Take whatever you're dealing with and run to the foot of the cross. That is where you'll find the answer. That is where your high priest is waiting to hug you and to love you and to carry you through. And he knows what you feel, he knows the pain. Let me pray. Dear Father God, I just, Lord, I come to you. And Lord, I do cry out. God, I cry out for each of us here today, Lord, I pray that your word has pierced our heart and opened our eyes to our own shortcomings. But God, I hope that your word has also helped us to understand that we can come to you, no matter what, with great confidence, knowing that you love us, knowing that you're not going to condemn us and reject us. And throw us out, God. But you're going to pick us up into your arms and you're going to love us. You're going to brush us off. And though there may be consequences for our sin, Lord, that you are going to show us the way. God, help us to see. Lord, help our nation to see. Help our nation to heal, Lord. God, let your love flow through me through this body of believers. And as we go out the door today, Lord, let us love all that You have put in our path. For it is in Christ's name I pray. Amen.